everybody, welcome to The Highlight Show. This is a show within our show where we sit down and talk to people doing really cool stuff. It could be someone starting a restaurant, it could be a youth group, it could be somebody who has just gone through something hard and has a really cool story to tell. We sit down with them, we pick their brains, and we glean what life lessons we can learn from their journey. Give it a listen. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. We're here for another Highlights episode where we're talking about the intersection of faith and uh, profession. And I'm here with another one of my cousins. I have both my cousins here, which is a lot of fun. <laughs> this is becoming a, a family affair, yeah. uh, which we're not ashamed of in any way, shape, or form, I don't think. No, nope. not uncommon not for us. Yeah. No, nope. love it. Yeah. So my cousin Jocelyn, thank you for joining the show. Um, why don't you give us a quick introduction? Uh name and what you're doing. All right. Thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Jocelyn Harding, and I have been a public school teacher for 22 years in Central Phoenix. I'm excited to be here. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I'm old. <laughs> that means you're I'm coming. I'm, right, I'm right behind you. <laughs> I'm there with you. Mm. With, a, with a birthday coming. Yeah, yeah, I know. That they started planning my 40, oh. and I was like... I don't know how I feel about this because like, the hardest part is actually not the 40 part, but it's the, uh, my daughter saying, Hey dad, who, what friends are you going to invite? And, and it's the, uh, uh, I don't have any I friends, don't have babe. <laughs> this is something that happens when you get old. <laughs> so family and the parents of your friends, cause those are kind of the people <laughs> I hang out with. That's exactly what it is. 39 was worse than 40 for me. Was it really? Cause it's like, that was the last year. Of 30s, 30-something. 30 mm, yeah. By I'm, the time I got to 40, I'd already made peace with it. That's fair. But 45, I just hit, and that was a big one because I thought the next milestone is 50, and that mm. sounds that sounds old. That's yeah, a different <laughs> number. I know. Yeah. It's, it's when that 10-digit changes. I'm not ready the, to be there. Yeah, every time you hit a new zero, it's just yeah. not, not, not a whole lot of fun. Yeah. So... Um, so why don't we start off with the faith journey? So I, I mean, being family, I know a little bit about it, but I don't know all the details, right? So I know your family kind of grew up in the church, right? Uh, not originally. No? Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. We, I, my parents didn't become church people until I, I was in quotes. about sixth grade. No joke. Yeah. So... I was obsessed with churches, like church buildings, mm. always. Okay. We would drive by a church. I would notice it. I would wish that we, would, we could go into that church. There was one church in particular on the access uh, road of the Black Canyon Freeway. Uh, classic white church, steeple. I think it's still there. Freeway Baptist Church, I think, is the name. And I loved that church. And I found out, I, I must have been in first grade or second grade, my mom said, you're going to be a flower girl in my friend's wedding. And most little girls that age would be wondering what their dress was going to look like mm -hmm. or, you know, uh -huh. what yep. kind of petals am I going to sprinkle Ooh. down the aisle? But my first thought was, Probably going to be in a church. I get to go to a church. <laughs> I get to go to a church. Oh, that's and so funny. I asked my mom, I said, Is it that church on the freeway that I like? <laughs> and mind you, this is 
35 plus years ago, but it's also Phoenix, Arizona. Phoenix mm-hmm. was still a big city. We had mm-hmm. a lot of churches. Yeah. So what are the chances it's going to be at that church? Well, it was. That's fantastic. It was at that church. And I was ecstatic. And it met all my expectations, the stained glass, the pews. Mm. It was amazing. So then, fast forward a year or so, my family buys a new house. And it's an awesome house. Pool in the backyard. Bigger, is, bigger. is it the current one? Yeah, the current I, like, one. Because this is, so this is the difference, yeah, right? Because yeah. you're a couple years older than me. Yeah. And so I've only known that house that house for your family. Like I yeah. thought, obviously, you guys have just lived there forever. Right. right? There's right. no way that you haven't lived anywhere else except for that one place because that's my experience, you yes. know? Like, so. Yeah, I was in about third grade when we moved into that house. And like I said, awesome house. Great neighborhood, Mm -hmm. uh, places to ride our bikes. I mean, it was amazing. But the best part, the highlight, was Mm -hmm. that we were within walking distance to the Trinity United Methodist Church. (laughs) There's two there, isn't there? There's like one, or maybe not when you first started. Wasn't there one on each corner? Um, there's a Baptist church on the other corner. On the other corner, okay, For okay. some reason, I don't know what it was about the, the Methodist church that pulled me in. Maybe it was the fact that they posted their service times. So I don't know how soon after we moved into this house that I um, started attending church. You just started walking by down myself. there on your I started own. walking down there yeah. by myself. <laughs> I, would get the, I would get my dad's alarm clock. He would set it for me. Okay. My parents were not church people. Family was still in bed when I woke up. Put on my best dress that I didn't have any occasion to wear. And now I did. And I was walking down by myself to Trinity United Methodist Church. And thinking back on that now as a parent, I'm like, what? That's insane. (laughs) (laughs) That makes no Sense, and I don't know. Maybe my parents were lurking around the corner, no, watching to make sure. It was no, a different time. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't. I was trying to give them the benefit of the doubt, Brandon. <laughs> All I could think so, like I watch a lot of Bluey, and they're like, "It was the '80s, man. It was a wild time." <laughs> <laughs> we were definitely free-range kids. Um, so yeah, and I don't know how it happened. It's it's blurry, but somehow. I checked myself into Sunday school class. That's so fantastic. And I would, I would almost question my memory or my imagination if I didn't still have the Bible, mm-hmm. that my, my very first Bible from my Sunday school teacher. I love it. I just want to say, Helen. like, if you think, like, one of the sad things about churches these days is the buildings mm-hmm. aren't as beautiful as they used to be. Yes. Like, there is something to be said about looking at a church building, steeple, stained glass, that evokes a particular sense of something like reverence and awe. It reaches deep, mm-hmm. you know. And now, when it looks just like an apartment building or like a random little house, you're like that. It doesn't. Right. It doesn't reach as deep for me. Oh, of course. Uh, well, I mean, if you think about it, like when you're going to church, the church is supposed to be like this uh, sign, kind of pointing where you're headed to this like mm-hmm. heavenly reality. Yeah. And so when the church buildings are a little too earthly, yeah, that, that becomes that makes a lot sense. harder. I that mean, it can still be done, you know, with like sometimes it's the preaching or the music or something mm-hmm. that brings you there. 
but we really are wasting an opportunity if we're not using the buildings. Those first things right. people see, yeah. those little kids as yeah. they're driving up by on the freeway. Mm-hmm. If the buildings themselves aren't like beautiful, yeah. then we're starting ourselves off in a hole that we really didn't yeah. need to. Yeah. Right. So you're you're in third grade going to church by yourself, which is the, I'm sorry, that is the coolest story. In my head, forging your parents' signatures to be yeah. able to attend the Sunday school. Well, you think about it now, like, rebel. even yeah, when that. my kids were little, okay, my kids are 25 and 22 now, we still had to, like, the system was computerized. Yep. We got a mm-hmm. sticker printed out to put on them with a barcode, yeah. you know, <laughs> and, and, you know, the fact that I could just go and check myself into church is, is really something, but... So, I'm... How long did they let you go to church by I yourself? don't even remember how many times okay. I went. I don't know if it was just a couple times. I don't, I don't remember that. I don't think it was for a long time because shortly after Aunt Jean caught wind of this, our great Aunt Jean, and um, she couldn't let the Methodists have me, <laughs> being the devout Catholic that she was. So, she swooped in. And she said, Jocelyn's going to start coming to church with me. Okay. 6.15 a.m. mass. Uh-huh. But she sweetened the deal by taking me to Bill Johnson's Big Apple for a short stack and hot chocolate afterwards. Okay. But she really didn't need to do that. I would have. <laughs> you were already I in. mean, this was like, okay, this church was like the church of all churches. St. Mm. Simon and Jude, the cathedral. Mm, yeah. mm-hmm. That was like it's major a major league church. there. Yeah. And so, I mean, I was thrilled again waking up before the rest of the family dad set the alarm for me and 6 15 a.m and i just i loved every little bit of it mm-hmm. again the stained glass the pews now kneelers the kneelers mm-hmm. yes the up and down and the and the and the ceremony the ceremony mm-hmm. of it the I smells just, and bells yes i loved it <laughs> I loved it. I got, um, I ended up, I don't know how I got it. Aunt Jean maybe got it for me. A book of like all of the prayers and things Mm -hmm. like that. And I could not memorize them fast enough. I wanted to, it drove me crazy not knowing the words, you know. And um, I just, oh, I loved that. And I don't know how long that went on for either, but... um, Eventually, when I was in around fifth grade, my parents jumped on board, started going to RCIA classes. Mm. Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. And um, we ended up as a family getting baptized. And then um, my parents were confirmed. I was confirmed in high school. And uh, once my parents got involved, it became less appealing to me because it wasn't my thing anymore. Mm-hmm. It was their thing. I wasn't, you know, they were waking me up to go to church, and uh, but I was also entering my angsty yeah. uh, preteen yeah. years, so I guess that was inevitable. Yeah, but there's, there's, this is one thing that I think a lot of us don't give enough credit to is the impact that a kid can have on the family. Mm-hmm. Like you always think it's top down, but like, like I remember like when I started going into it a lot deeper, like. Mm-hmm my mom started getting into it a lot deeper and you're like, well, that's weird, you know, like, but it's just one of those things that kind of like, don't underestimate the kids, you know, in a family 
pursuing faith because it, it's going to... It, it kind of, a lot of times it feels like it sort of serves as like the wake-up call. Like the parents realize, oh, you know what, I'm really the one who's supposed to be like mm -hmm. leading them and guiding them through this. Yeah. And so long as no one's doing it, then it doesn't stand out as much. But like, especially with you having stuck with it on your own, mm -hmm. kind of independently for a couple of years, and then someone outside the immediate family, but like a family member mm -hmm. stepping in and getting involved, like that hat, I feel like that would have to, as like a father, gnaw away at you a little bit. Like, ah, I feel like this is definitely what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I can't really ignore it anymore because it's like in front of me that it's happening without me. Yeah. Yeah. So how, how did the, uh, the teenage years go? Because like, We've done a couple of seasons now, and we've done a, this is probably like our third season talking on faith journeys. Mm -hmm. And the, the teenage years, like everybody, almost like clockwork, there's the, oh, and then I turned 16, mm -hmm. and this happened. And <laughs> you're like, yep, I knew that part was coming, because everybody who's had a story has said, mm -hmm. at this point, I either did this or I did that. And almost everybody is like, oh, no, I left. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then took this long roundabout way and come back in and so like I'm always looking forward to this point to where like okay yeah heading into that angsty mm -hmm. time what happened then yeah so yeah high school high school was interesting it's so I started out at an at a private all-girls school and then I I begged my parents to go all my friends were going there hated it parents made me stay another year because they said freshman year is horrible for everyone just stick it out um and a quarter into sophomore year i was like okay still hate it i need to, i need mm. to get out of here and they let me so i switched to uh the public school in my you know what was it about the private school that you hated so much um there were things I loved about it, but I wanted to be involved in sports. I played soccer mm. my whole childhood. And when you have, you know, 200 girls going out for 15 spots on the soccer team, mm. you're not going to make it. Yeah, you know, it's hard. It, it, I just, I loved, again, I loved the campus. I loved how beautiful it was. I loved concert choir. I loved, there were things, it was, it was not an easy decision, but I just didn't feel a part of it. Mm-hmm. So I ended up switching to uh, the school in my neighborhood, and I mean that's where I ended up meeting my husband. So I mean I think that was yeah. that was a good decision. Yeah, no, no, no regrets there for sure. <laughs> but that was also rocky, and that that had a lot to do with my faith journey because he was in a family very, very religious, Christian, non-denominational Christian had a lot of issues with Catholicism. It was a Calvary denomination, right? Or, uh, the or the Calvary It was a Calvary branch. church that we went to for a while. Okay. Yeah, that was... Because they're, they're... So, yeah, Calvary's a very... Um, there's all kinds of words to use, but I can't think of one that's not like... I don't have anything against Calvary, mm -hmm. but they're very fundamental. Like, yeah. they're like... Like, if you're going to find a, a Protestant who's like, no Santa Claus... It will be like yes. in a Calvary yes. church, right? Like because they're, yes. they're like, they don't yeah. do the whole no symbolism. No. no, yes, yeah, and that's yeah. that was exactly it. So he actually he was not supposed to date me 
mm-hmm. was very much a Romeo and Juliet kind of thing. <laughs> like, you've made this the forbidden fruit, and it will happen. <laughs> this is what we're doing. Um, you know, he couldn't use the car if he was taking me on a date. But he could use it if he was taking someone else on a date, do that kind of thing. But then, you know, I got my own car. And <laughs> but um, so that was that was hard. It was very hard. And I didn't feel like I really knew. I wasn't grounded enough mm. in the in the details mm. and the foundational things. Mm-hmm. I felt like I didn't have a leg to stand on. Like I, I don't even know what to say about this. Right. You know, I don't I don't know how to defend it. I didn't. All, all of the things that had kind of you'd been able to sort of take for granted because you were going with people who were from the same background, there hadn't necessarily been a push to question and right. defend right. before. Well, it's just right. like if you enjoy something and then somebody comes up and is like, why do you enjoy that? That's stupid. And you're like, well, I, because I, I like it. Shut up. <laughs> you know, like how you don't have it until somebody challenges. Yep. Yeah. You don't dig deep. You just enjoy what you enjoy until someone is like, why? And then you right. got to go, well, I don't actually. And then you got to dig in and mm-hmm. figure out why you like it. Right. Yeah. So, you know, there was that. And then when we you know, decided to get married, then that was, that was a whole other thing. You know, this picture that you have of, of different things that really now I see there, it's not really a big deal, Sure. but it was kind of like a a death almost like letting Mm. those things go Mm -hmm. of, you know, Halloween and, and Santa Claus. And, and, and now I'm like, Oh, that's so silly. But it was really a big thing for me at that time. And I was 19 years old. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I, I, that was a wild time. But yeah, no, <laughs> tradition, wild time. I don't even know so, what to say about that. They're so important, though. Like, yeah. like you're kind of tradition saying. Tradition was very important to How me. do you, you kind of have somebody saying, hey, this is your identity. I'm going to need you to uh, cut a big piece right. of that off and throw it away. And you're yeah. like, oh, but it's, how do you. It, yeah. Tradition is not just something that you do. It's part of who you are and your history and things, you know? Yeah. Well, and it's also part of who you project yourself being. Like, it's one of those things when you were envisioning, you know, not just the wedding itself, but when you were envisioning, like, a life raising kids and Mm -hmm. things like that, you were thinking about things like dressing them up in really cute Halloween costumes or... You know, oh, yeah. All the expectations that, that exactly. kind of get cut. Yeah. yeah. All, all of those that. things that are part of the plan until... It's not. They're not. <laughs> and so, like, I, I think that idea of describing it as, like, a small death mm-hmm. is a very, like, accurate Appropriate. one. Mm-hmm. But expectations are the killer of joy. And that is the truth. so true. <laughs> that is the because, truth. you know, I see now, obviously the things that really matter and that really didn't matter in the grand scheme of things. So Mary, so were you married at 19? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I knew it was early, but I did not know it was 19 early. That was not the plan. I was pregnant. And so that's just what you do. Mm-hmm. And we had, you know, we had talked about marriage and, and, you know, I felt like I was with the person I wanted to be with for the rest of my life, but um, definitely didn't plan to, to do that at 19 years right. old. Right. But again, you know what happens with plans. <laughs> yep. <laughs> How do you make yeah. God laugh? 
So yep, yep. right. Tell him how it's going to go. That's exactly. exactly right. So how did uh, how did everybody's family? So at nineteen, like I, I can only admit, so me being a dad of two daughters and they're nineteen, I'm gonna be like, can we let's, yeah. can we hit the brakes? Right. Can we just talk about this a little bit? Like, um, what's going on? You know, like how yeah. how did the family take that? Um, they handled it very well. They handled it better than I would have, mm. I'm sure, and <laughs> mm-hmm. definitely better than my husband would have. Um, there were... It, it was rough. It was definitely rough. Um, but I think it was mostly what I put on myself. I felt bad for what I was doing to my parents and felt bad mm. for... Um, I, you know, of course, I just took on all of that guilt and shame and, mm-hmm. and, but I still had a picture of how I wanted things. I don't know. I was just, I just don't even know what I was thinking. It was like finished my finals freshman year at ASU that weekend, got married. I just had that in my mind. My parents were encouraging us to wait until after we had the baby to get married. And I was like, absolutely not. I'm not bringing my baby home to my parents' house. (laughs) You know, just these things. Oh, that is a a true fear. (laughs) Kristen had that fear because we were with her parents in transition between our you know, into yeah. our new house. And she's like, I am not bringing this baby to my parents' house. <laughs> so, I was like, okay, well, let's go bring him by one. I don't know what to do. So funny, the things that I choose to put my foot down about and the things I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. Perspective shifts. <laughs> you know, and, and again, it's like, wow, would that have been the end of the world? No, probably not. But would it probably have made our lives easier? Probably. Yeah. But. So, and, and I mean, like I was just so I was just joking perspective shifts but I mean really like I mean when a baby comes into the equation the world kind of mm-hmm. switches over like you view life differently like things are not the same like like did you have a big like do you remember a moment you were like the world is different now or I'm different now in this world I don't know. I think it was probably finding out I was pregnant. But yeah. but once, like, you think that you could never endure something until you, until you have mm. to. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly, and that, again, that's a God thing. It just clicks in, takes over. Thank God <laughs> it <laughs> takes over. And, uh, you know, looking back, I'm like, I don't know how I did it. How else would it have happened if it wasn't for God? Right. right. Like a, right. Yeah. I don't retrospective know how I did is it. 2020. Yeah. That's the only thing I can think of. Yeah. So how, how was, this is going to be a, this is a stupid question, right? But like, how was college with a baby and new family? Like, that's a big, that's a big task, right? Like that's yeah. a whole that's lot a, of big tasks. That's another God thing, right? Like, and that's another thing. I think that's what I felt bad about with the pregnancy was my parents instantly were afraid that I wasn't going to finish school. Mm. And at that time in my life, that was the most important thing. Like, I don't know, it's starting to change where people are are not just assuming that they're going to go to college and go that route. But, but at that parents, time, yeah, if you didn't go to college, you, you were going to be a And our laborer. parents didn't go to college. You yeah, know, my, right. my parents didn't yep. go to college. Yep. And so, 
you know, that was just a big expectation. Yeah, it was. And um, it never even occurred to me to not finish that. Mm -hmm. And I did. And it was very hard. I feel bad about it now. I, I know that I was n not a great mother <laughs> during those times. Um, you know, working on papers until all hours of the morning mm -hmm. and, you know, having a toddler, it, that's not convenient. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. And, you know, James, he instantly switched into that provider role. Mm -hmm. His his role was to make sure that we had all of our needs met, and he did it. But at the same time, that meant he was completely occupied. Yeah. I was completely occupied, you know. I, I But I also was taking care of this child. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and... Um, I couldn't, my parents were he, a huge help. Yeah. I couldn't have done it without them. They helped. I, I feel like they probably had more to do with her raising in those early years than I did. You know, I mean, like, there's the trope that, you know, it takes a tribe or it takes a yeah. village. Mm -hmm. But, like, that's the truth. Like, we were not meant to build a family and raise a family isolated with just two parents and kids. Like, that's not how it's meant to be. Like, yeah, we're very fortunate because our grandparents are... are pretty involved like mm -hmm. if it wasn't for them our, our kids haven't had to go to daycare right which is one i don't we would have had to mm -hmm. me and kristen were like we would have to have the conversation that maybe you quit your job because yeah. daycare is so expensive right and but we haven't had to and the people that are watching the kids we know them right and we know what they're instilling and we know what they're developing it's a priceless gift it's huge yeah it's huge and it connects them to a deeper strain of your family mm -hmm. more like it's it's so much more rich than them than to ship them off to a, you know, like, so I, we, we have this sense of guilt that like grandparents have had to do these things, I think sometimes, mm -hmm. but like, that's how it's supposed to be. I think, yeah. uh, I don't know, but that, I agree. I think me. that moms are always going to feel guilty about Mom something. Mom guilt is real. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, they feel guilty it's, about it's, everything though. Yeah. If it wasn't that, it would have been something else. But yeah, I mean, I remember, <laughs> No, it is the truth. Uh, you know, she was a brand new baby, and I was going mm -hmm. to take summer school classes. Yeah. You know, she was a couple of weeks old, mm -hmm. and I'm trying to, I was trying to finish as fast as possible. So I was taking 18 credit hours. Mm -hmm. um, now, were you studying to be a teacher? Like, did you know you wanted to be? So I started out as a psychology major. Okay. I knew that I wanted to work with kids, I knew that from the start. Um, I don't know what it was about psych. I think a lot of people start out as psych, psych majors and end up changing their minds. It's not uncommon. <laughs> if you spend that much time studying the mind, it's going to change. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I think I changed my major after the first year, and I changed it to education. You know, I just I started taking the classes, and it was a lot of numbers and data and, mm. um, you know. It, it wasn't what I imagined it was going wasn't to be. The, right. the clinical. Uh, it, it wasn't, I didn't see the impact there that I really wanted to have. I mean, obviously it is very important, but I thought, okay, so how can I, what's the next thing I can do that would have the greatest impact? Mm. And teaching is, is where I went from there. Um, I still... Yeah, so I finished, 
I got my teaching degree. I got pregnant with my second right before I started student teaching. <laughs> We're great planners. I was going to say, I was going to say, some people are, some people are just living for those challenges. <laughs> like, you know, I've got this all figured out. How can I throw another wrench in here? Easy life is boring. <laughs> yeah, so that was fun. And that was the first time, student teaching was also the first time that I had to uh, use daycare. Mm. And so that was hard. I cried every day after dropping it. They had to peel Emma off of me, mm. and I cried the whole way <laughs> to school. <laughs> but I did it. I did it. And then once I was done with school, I can't even explain the relief. And another source of guilt was just how much I enjoyed having that second baby. And then just mm. being able to be home with him mm. and, and, and both of the kids. But again, yeah. like I saw how different it was from when I had Emma. I always felt terrible about that. <laughs> I still do. But... You know, it all worked out, and they're great in spite of me. But it was—I think that's the truth of all good kids. That's, that's all I yeah. hope for is that yeah. like they're, they're going to be—I didn't screw it up. <laughs> like they're their own people, right? Like I could have been worse, right? Could have been, <laughs> been worse. <laughs> um, so, was it? Did you have a hard time getting a, a teacher's job? Was it, or was it was pretty easy? You found nope. a school, and yeah, I started. I, he, you know, Wyatt was baby, so I was just gonna, t I was gonna substitute teach, mm. so I could pick my days and I could choose days to sub when I had someone in the family who mm -hmm. could watch him for me. Yeah, and uh, about a couple weeks into the school year, I'm subbing in my mentor teacher's classroom, and the principal comes in and sits at the back of the room. And I thought that was weird. It made me very nervous. But then she ended up asking to talk to me before I left that day. And so I went in to talk to her and she said, she offered me a job. They had too many kids in the first grade classes. They needed to open up a new section. Um, will you take it? And I was so flattered by that. You know, yeah. she, she totally knew exactly what to say. You were amazing with those kids. You knew their names. You like she totally she buttered, said, she right, buttered huh? me up. <laughs> and that was probably one of the biggest mistakes I made was taking that job. Really? Because I mean, like you would think going from sub to or from temp to perm would be like, but it wasn't your plan, I guess, huh? Well, first of all, when they made the new class. She let the teachers choose who to give, oh, and they didn't yep. give me their favorites. You got screwed. Yeah. yeah. And the principal was Cruella DeVille. A horrible, horrible person. And <laughs> Not and, even like, and you're I a bad principal. Baby. No, you're a bad yeah. person. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't about you as a professional. This is about you as a person. And now, and, and I still have this baby uh, that yeah. I have to, you know, you didn't really, I was going yeah. to mostly be home with. And now you're not. You know, the, the lure of that extra paycheck is so mm -hmm. tempting. Mm -hmm. And then once you go there... It's hard to go back. It's a golden hook. <laughs> right. It is yeah. absolutely a golden so, hook. So I shouldn't have done that. But, you know, again, another life lesson. Can't go back. Mm-hmm. Can only go forward. I learned a lot from that. And that's my advice to all of my student teachers now. Never take a job after the school year starts. <laughs> <laughs> it's never a good thing. Um, 
but yeah, you learn from those things and then you can use that to support other people and, Mm -hmm. and help others. So, yeah. So I had a horrible first year, terrible. I got riffed. Um, she didn't like me as it was because I had this wild class I didn't know how to manage. Totally out of control, kids. And I was I went home and cried every night. Mm-hmm. Um, and when uh, opening came back in the same grade level, I don't know why I wanted it, but it's like I had to prove that it was not me. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I had to re-interview for my current job. And she basically said, how do I know that this next year's not going to be the same as this year? And I was just like... Well, you could try, like, actually dividing the students based right, on some logical right. process rather than another teacher's preference. Like, right. That would so, be one thing. So I, I read every book imaginable over the summer and got my head back in the game and... Uh, had a great second year and I proved her wrong and she ended up apologizing to me. She said, you were right. Oh, wow. Respect. And so then I spent four years total in first grade. I wanted to be in second grade. My mentor was a second grade teacher. That's really where I wanted to be. And I kind of always heard that was the sweet spot. Once you get into second grade, it's it's hard to get those positions. You just have to wait for someone to die, pretty much. <laughs> really? Like what's what's the difference? Like I mean, they're more independent, um, but they still love school. They love you. They're excited to be sound, at school. Okay. Third grade, some of them start getting a little bit of an attitude. Well, and um, also it's testing year testing in third grade. It's that last year before state testing. It's just. The odd grades, I feel like, are the the grades where it, it, there's tons and tons of, of content and and they're expected to grow by leaps and bounds. And then the evens is kind of where, okay, you've learned all these things and now let's start applying it. You know, you know how to write a sentence and what a sentence is. Now let's actually start writing a sentence with punctuation. You know, it's kind of like the coasting year, the fine-tuning year. Sure, even like with reading and stuff, because my first teaching experience was as a long-term sub in second grade. And it is one of those things like I had no proper training for that role whatsoever. But with second grade, it was largely all right because someone who knew what they were doing would had taught them like the basics of how to read. Yeah. And so now it's a lot about kind of helping them, okay, you know how to do this. Here's how you continue that right. with this as opposed to having to like give them skills. Mm. That but makes to be sense. fair, as far as instruction goes, did college teach you anything? That you needed to so I I had no like (laughs) I I had I only had one education class in my entire time at college like I came I'm one of those people who came from like outside of teaching got a subsert and then just never left Um, but yeah no really and truly there's it I feel like it's like a lot of things the theory is great. Mm As long as you're only teaching in a theoretical classroom. Right. The reality yeah. is very different. That sounds so right of a lot of things. Like, I'm hearing a lot now about how lawyers and doctors are all good at, like, one thing. But, like, the mm-hmm. reality is, is that being a doctor doesn't mean you just chop people up all the time. Like, and put them back together. Right? <laughs> I was like, going to say, it does not just mean you chop people up all the time. There's a whole, like, a- business and management and time scheduling thing that mm-hmm. that is part of real life. 
that isn't taught in school. And mm-hmm. so, like, that's it's interesting that you say that because I'm kind of noticing. Yeah, nothing I'm, about. And I took all of the teacher classes, and because discipline very is a real hard little. Yeah, until like, you get that, that roster all, right? and those keys, you don't have a clue. Well, and like they almost can't teach you that, like because you won't have any idea what they're talking about until you've actually been in the classroom and watched. Mm. Like, I don't know. I, I'm obviously not a parent, but I imagine it's probably not that different than how like people who don't have kids are experts on how to raise them. That's the truth. Yeah, we it's were so It's always easier judging. to look at yeah. other people's kids yeah. and tell them what oh, they're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's what but I would do in own, that situation. with your own, you've got the emotion involved and the... Mm, yeah, yeah. Well, and also you've got to deal with the consequences of mm-hmm. it. I can absolutely tell someone how to handle one situation in their classroom because I don't have to worry about the consequence of the precedent that right. sets or like the expectations that builds in the kids for how things are going to go mm-hmm. or like how many of the kids are just like done with you now because you took this hard line approach and so they no longer have any interest in anything you have to say. So there's like a long play in like the human dynamics in a classroom that, yeah, cause you're right. Like how do you, how do you teach how to play nine months on yeah. kids relationships <laughs> with 30 people? Like that's not a thing that is done it's hard well and every class is so vastly different yeah you know because even without the teachers rigging the game on you in your first year at every school there is that one class where it's like this group of kids whoever has them god be with them because that's their only hope that too yeah like i'll i'll never forget finally feeling like i'd arrived you know i was finally that teacher that parents wanted their kid to be in my class Mm -hmm. and it was that feels good I, I made it. I, I, made I, it. I wish ego weren't part of my life, but man, is it? Yeah. Like I mean, like, but I mean, to be asked for, like, yep. come on, feels good. that's it gotta feels feel good. good. Especially, well, like especially when the, you work as hard as you know. I care a lot, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I work really hard, you know, and and to finally feel like that's being seen. Especially in like a, a time now, which is very different than I remember mm-hmm. when I was going to school. Mm-hmm. Like when I was a kid. There was no question if there was a problem between me and the teacher, if there's not like some criminal thing going on, my parents are on the teacher's side. Mm -hmm. So to have parents in the current climate recognize the work that you're putting into their kids and recognize you as someone who they want to be on the same team as, it's a really meaningful thing. It It is. is a great validation for, again, I joke about the ego, but like it's a recognition that, okay, cool. I'm not the only one who thinks I'm approaching this the right way. Mm-hmm. There is some evidence here to suggest that what I'm doing is actually like good and beneficial for these kids. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's, that's what we want. I, I like, it kind of makes me sad on our current culture. Cause like we've taken the same approach to where like, we're, we're very invested. Like I'm on my kid's side first. Right. But at mm-hmm. the same time, like if you're invested in my kid and I'm invested in my kid and we work together, then my kid benefits. And that's really what I want, you know? And, I think that parents who who take that approach, like the kids are gonna be the ones that benefit, right? Because right. you were just saying, being a teacher isn't something that you do, like I'm a cube monkey, right? Like I show up for a paycheck, you know? And that's how I provide for my family. Being a teacher isn't something that you do because of the paycheck. I mean, and, and being frank, you know? And so there's there's something more that you get out of it. There's a currency that's not money that 
adds to satisfaction that being a cube monkey does not, right? Did you notice those kinds of things too? Definitely, definitely. I mean, I don't, I couldn't imagine doing the job if you didn't love it. Mm -hmm. And there are those people. I was going to say, I I do know them. miserable people. (laughs) You don't want to be near them because it's hard. Yeah. And if you don't love it and you're not truly invested in those kids... I couldn't imagine. I could. I don't know what fuels those people. I guess caffeine and I, I don't know. But my, my husband jokes. He, he said, uh, you know, we were talking about my pay at one point. I don't remember. And he said, you know, I just like to think of it as supporting a missionary. <laughs> there is there is a very real truth to that. And he's like, like then, then I feel better. <laughs> I'm doing a good thing. I'm, I'm doing my part. But... Him saying that was kind of, I don't know, I think that that had a part in reframing how I think about my job. Mm. It's not just something that happens to me. It's something, it's not something that I have to do, it's something that I get to do. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I reframed how I thought about it, a lot changed. Mm -hmm. You know, I think about you know, I'm, I'm an introverted, I consider myself an introverted extrovert. You know, I'm not the person who's going to go, you know, evangelize on the street Mm -hmm. corner or I'm, you know, I I don't want to go to Africa and, you you know, save the world in that way. But I have up to 29 kids Mm -hmm. who come to my door. They come to me every Mm -hmm. day and their families and my colleagues and the influence have, that you can yeah, have is immense. Inf- yeah, mm-hmm. it is. And that, I'm in awe of that. And yeah. I feel very honored to have that kind of a role. Yeah. And I, I mean, when you've had a good teacher, because like my second grade teacher, I actually, I still remember her. I remember her name. I remember most of my second grade, which is crazy. But like, <laughs> the impact is real. And, and we, we've talked, me and AJ have talked about this a lot. So there's two things that I, I that AJ has said that has kind of stuck with me is a one, it's that aha moment when you see in the kids, like when you're teaching them and then you just kind of see the light click on mm-hmm. or the, like the, the connection happen. Mm-hmm. And then that feels good, right? Like you see that aha moment, but then also that you don't always see it in your classroom, right? right? Sometimes it's that long play, it's the investment. And I think back when my parents were fostering, I kept telling him, I kept telling him, I'm like, yes, I know it sucks. It's hard because this kid is damaged, but you're giving him an example that he didn't have before. So when he, I was like, just wait until he hits 30. When he's 30, he's going to look back and be like, oh, that is different than this. Mm -hmm. And now I have a choice where they may not have felt like they had a choice before. You're planting a seed. Yeah. And and especially in second grade, you don't always get to see it come to fruit. Right. You know, you don't. But if you can change it one degree. Mm Mm-hmm. And over their lifetime, that one degree turns into a a big change, a big impact. Yeah. A teacher can make or break. I had a lot of terrible, terrible teachers, Mm -hmm. which you would think would make me not want to be. And I hated school as a result. So just the fact that I would even consider becoming a teacher kind of blew my mind. Mm -hmm. Why would I want to go back to the place I hated more than anything? Really from first grade on. My first grade teacher's name was Miss Meanie. Miss Meanie. And she was oh so my. old, I don't have to worry about her listening to this podcast. <laughs> but you know what? I don't even care. 
She can hear it. She was awful. <laughs> awful. And second grade teacher didn't care for her. She was very cold, but she read mm. great books, and her nails were always perfectly polished. <laughs> Third grade teacher. Eh. Fourth grade. Oh. <laughs> fifth grade. Loved fifth grade. Sixth grade. Awful. Mm-hmm. Awful. So, um, but I think I wanted to make sure that another kid didn't have that experience. Yeah. Obviously, I can't teach the whole world, but at least the kids in my classroom yeah. Yeah. are going to leave my classroom loving school. Yeah. Well, or at least, like, for me, so much of the time, the difference between my opinion on a teacher had very little to do with their quality as a teacher, actually. Right. It was like, do I actually believe that this person is, like, trying to help me? Mm-hmm. And yeah. And it, uh, I worked with a guy in church ministry, actually, who, he, he was the first person I ever heard say it, uh, that idea of no one will uh, care how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm-hmm. Like, just that idea of, like, making sure that kids are hearing, that like, no, 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 I actually believe that you can do something amazing Mm -hmm. and that you're worth the work and the Mm -hmm. effort. It's like that idea of planting seeds. I tell kids all the time, like, look, if you tell me I'm your favorite teacher now, yeah, that's really good for my ego. But I also know that that might just be because you find my class really easy. Because I remember being a student, and sometimes that's all it took to be the favorite teacher, <laughs> mm-hmm. is this one I can pass. Well, but you teach older kids too, I right? I do, yeah. I'm, I'm so teaching high school. So that means more than it means when they say it to me in second grade. Sure. They, the kids, <laughs> they do, the they love their teacher teachers. teacher ever. Well, you've had three. <laughs> but I'll take it. I'll but, take but, it. But I do still tell them too. I'm like, honestly, what I want is, and I still told them this back when I was teaching fifth grade as well, I want to be your favorite teacher 10 years from now. Yeah. Because that means that something we did, some conversation we had, something happened yeah. that mattered for you later on in life. Mm. That, that's the goal. And I'll never know yeah. whether you feel that way or not. But that's why I teach is that in hope that you will. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I want to poke at a couple of big topics here really quick on the teaching side. So my girl, my oldest is going into third. Right. And so the big thing now is that there's a male teacher. Right. And so everybody's like, we hear that this male teacher is like awesome. Like people love him. And I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, I, I only had. And uh, so up through eighth grade, I think I had two. One in fifth grade who had a legit impact on my life. And then the one in eighth grade was, you know, whatever. He, he was cool and all. But didn't the one in the one in fifth grade. I still remember him. I remember his name, everything about him. I would love to see him again. Um because he was the one who saw something and said, oh, no, like I had my head down and he thought he was going to catch me sleeping. And I stuck up and I had no idea. Looked at the board, answered the question, and he was so furious that I could answer the question yeah. right. <laughs> but what he realized is that I was sleeping because his class was too easy. Yeah. And so he put me into like the, the higher math class. Mm-hmm. And so that was somebody, the first person who said, hey, you're not just like some slacker kid. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're bored and and pushed me harder than I was expecting. So he had an impact on me that way. That's huge. 